week on Business Brief, we'll learn about how demand for non-alcoholic beverages is creating new business opportunities. Then we'll hear from an expert on how gig workers and employers are being affected by a new federal rule. Welcome to Business Brief, Missouri Business Alert's podcast focused on the business news and issues shaping the state. My name is Siggy Reese, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ansley Franco. Ansley, how are you doing this week? I'm doing so, so well. Did you know that Thursday was Leap Day? Yes, I did. And we were actually just talking about this, which is so funny. I didn't realize that Leap Day was referred to as Leap Day. I thought it was just a leap year. And I don't know. I just didn't. I forgot what you called the extra day. And so you're forgetting about all the people who have their birthdays on I Leap know. Day. I'm sorry, guys. I, I apologize sincerely. But now I realize it's it's also referred to as Leap Day. I just thought it was, you know, February 29th. But <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, yeah, t- uh, this week is uh, Leap Day. So that's pretty cool. Super exciting. Yes. Well, are you ready to get into this week's headlines? For sure. Okay, let's do it. The Kansas City Chiefs unveiled new visual plans for Arrowhead Stadium this week. The $800 million renovation would include new amenities inside and outside the stadium, and it calls for construction on the site currently occupied by neighboring Kauffman Stadium, the current home of the Royals. The plans come nearly a month before Jackson County residents will vote on whether to renew a sales tax that would continue to fund the Chiefs and the Royals. Macy's announced this week it will shutter 150 namesake stores over the next three years. Fifty of these stores will close by the end of the year. The department stores remaining 350 locations will undergo upgrades. These plans come after Macy's posted a fourth quarter loss and a declining sales. It is unclear if these plans will impact Missouri stores. The Consumer Confidence Index dropped in February, defying experts' predictions. The index was initially expected to remain steady from January's revised estimate. Americans are feeling less confident about short-term expectations for income, business, and the job market. That index fell to 79.8 in February. An index under 80 can often signal a looming recession. Over 90,000 kids in Missouri have unclaimed pandemic-era food benefits. These benefits were originally intended to help pay for children's food in summer 2022, but the state did not begin dispersing them until May 2023. Now, the payments, which total nearly $400 per child, are set to expire as early as this month for some Missourians. At least 100 Missouri Central School bus drivers in St. Louis called out of work Monday to protest racism in the organization. St. Louis Public Schools canceled after-school activities Monday in response to the lack of workers. The protest comes after a black bus driver found a noose at his workstation. Missouri Central said it is hiring an independent third party to investigate the incident. We will return to Business Brief after this quick message from our sponsors. Are you ready to be inspired? Since 2013, That's What She Said has provided a platform for women's powerful voices, strengthening communities across the country. On Saturday, April 13th at 7 p.m. at the Missouri Theater, the second annual That's What She Said Columbia, presented by Stevens College, will feature the powerful stories of 10 women from our community. 25% of the ticket sales will support maternal health initiatives via the Boone Hospital Foundation and MU Healthcare. Find us at facebook.com slash she said Como and purchase your tickets now. For our first story, I looked into the rise of mocktails and non-alcoholic beverages in Missouri. Okay, so what's a mocktail and why have they gotten so popular? A mocktail is a cocktail made without spirits. 
According to a Gallup study, more and more people each year are choosing to abstain from alcohol. Last year, 36% of people described themselves as total abstainers, which is up 6% from 2017. Wow. Has Missouri been influenced by this? It's been more common that bars and restaurants in the state will have permanent non-alcoholic beverage options on their menus. I spoke with the country's first ad agency that works exclusively with sober-friendly businesses and brands, a speakeasy in St. Louis, and a cocktail bar outside of Kansas City that have been experimenting with mocktails. Here's that story. While bartending at his Kansas City-area cocktail bar a few years ago, James Sanders was approached by a customer. She asked Sanders, who owns the bar Drastic Measures, to help keep her early-term pregnancy a secret from her friends. To help keep it under wraps, she requested look-alike cocktails without the alcohol. And she told us her most like precious secret that she has in the whole world because we didn't provide her a space to not have to tell us that. We didn't provide a space for our friends that don't drink alcohol to come in and not feel like a burden to the staff. This inspired Sanders to open a place for people who choose not to drink alcohol. The bar, Wild Child, is located in Shawnee, Kansas, According to a Gallup poll last year, 38% of people described themselves as total abstainers from alcohol, up 2% from the previous year. Non-drinkers have many reasons for choosing not to consume alcohol, but according to Gallup's findings, most say they simply have no desire to. The growing number of people abstaining from alcohol is driving new business opportunities, from mocktail bars to ad agencies that specialize in marketing alcohol alternatives while not imbibing alcohol. And so very quickly, I realized how sometimes uncomfortable that can be when you straight up to a bar or you take a look at a drinks menu at a restaurant while you're going out on a date or celebrating a special occasion and not feeling seen or accommodated. That's Sarah Pretorius, co-owner of Sipsteady, the country's first marketing agency that exclusively partners with non-alcoholic beverage brands and sober-friendly businesses. Pretorius decided to go alcohol-free in 2021 and started her business in August 2022 with Kayla Mason, who describes herself as a mindful drinker, someone who is aware of the reasons on why they're consuming alcohol. We put our heads together and really looked at, you know, how could we help these non-alcoholic brands that were exploding all over social media find more people, um, especially here in the Midwest, as the Sober Curious movement really took off earlier um, and more quickly on both of the coasts. We wanted to do our part to use our skills and experience to help these non-alcoholic brands grow their presence and reach more non-drinkers or mindful drinkers like ourselves. Census Bureau data show the sales at beer, wine, and liquor stores spiked in the early months of the pandemic. Since then, sales volumes have gradually fallen. Pretorius and Mason found that since COVID affected socialization, people were able to reevaluate their relationships with alcohol. Recently, there has been a rising interest in health and wellness, leading consumers to cut back on drinking and turn to alcohol alternatives such as non-alcoholic beer. Co-founder of Sipsteady, Kayla Mason, found a change in Missouri's retail market for sober customers. The availability to purchase these beverages in the Midwest was, you know, lacking. Uh, you could go into a specialty store and maybe have a couple options in the, in previous years. And I think after, since COVID, there's started up many 
stores have started to carry more stock um, on the Missouri side, specifically in grocery stores, which has been really exciting. Thaxton, a speakeasy tucked away in a 1920s Art Deco building downtown St. Louis, began serving non-alcoholic drinks in the last two years. Owner Kimberly Pitalangus says there isn't a specific demographic that orders the beverages and that the popularity comes from people being mindful of the side effects that come with alcohol consumption. So I think that people sometimes will just kind of trade off to give them, still have a drink, but to give themselves a break on the alcohol. Pitalangus found creating a mocktail is not very different from creating a traditional cocktail. Thaxton has three signature non-alcoholic libations on its menu, including one that is made from an unusual ingredient. And it is a cocktail and mocktail that has Greek yogurt. And so that was kind of just the inspiration, like, hey, I want to do a yogurt cocktail. And it's not kind of off-putting, but uh, it creates a really creamy mouthfeel, similar to that of maybe an egg white, but a little heavier, kind of like a cream. So we found that just actually on that one, we just took out the alcohol and it was still a delicious drink. Pitalangus has discovered that a lot of the zero-proof botanicals that are available on the market are not much cheaper than actual spirits. Non-alcoholic spirits can range from about $25 to $45 a bottle. Customers don't seem to mind the similar price of a mocktail compared to an alcoholic beverage. The interesting thing that I've observed is that people that order the mocktails are still okay with that higher price because it still is fresh ingredients. There's still, you know, juicing and syrups and uh, labor that goes into the actual um, product that goes into the mocktail. At Wildchild, Sanders also noticed this and began creating his own non-alcoholic spirits using a rotary evaporator through a process that strips alcohol from spirits. He found that Campari, Fernand Branca, Aperol and vermouths work best using this process. So you like the Campari, the Fernet family, the J. Rieger Cafe Amaro from Kansas City, which we stripped to put in our non-alcoholic uh, espresso martini, uh, which was especially difficult because, like, what do you call a non-alcoholic espresso martini? Yeah, you call it coffee. Looking ahead, Sip Study co-founder Kayla Mason thinks non-alcoholic beverages are going to continue to rise in popularity and become a normal drink option for consumers across the country. We believe that having equal space on menus for alcohol and non-alcoholic options is just going to become the norm. It's going to take some time to get there, but at the rate at which the category is growing, I think it's, things are moving very fast. Wild Child is a testament to this. Sanders says the bar is fully reserved on Fridays and Saturdays for the next six months. And at Thaxton, all seatings are subject to a two-hour max in order to accommodate the wait list. For our next story, we'll discuss the Biden administration's new gig worker rule. Interesting. Tell me more about it. Sure. So basically, the Biden administration has issued a final rule designed to make many companies classify workers as employees rather than independent contractors. For businesses, this might require them to restructure their workforce. And for workers, more independent contractors could end up becoming employees. We'll see this rule take effect this month. That seems like a big deal. I'm interested to see what else this would mean for gig workers and businesses that employ them. Missouri Business Alert reporter Sarah Rubenstein spoke with Jerome Katz, an entrepreneurship professor at St. Louis University, about this. Here's their conversation. 
I'm curious how this new rule is going to affect businesses that employ contractors. It'll uh, uh, certainly increase the uh, rethinking and and probably involved reorganization of a lot of gig jobs. Uh, part of this, the question for the entrepreneurs will be, uh, how are they going to structure their workforce if these rules remain in effect? Because it means that uh, some of the people that they've treated as independent contractors are probably going to be reclassified, or they will have to reclassify them as employees and start paying them minimum wage, giving them uh, guaranteed hours, uh, paying unemployment insurance, and things like that. So what will happen is uh, a lot of these companies will have to figure out how many of these people do they hire as conventional employees and how do they protect uh, the work being done by gig employees? It's not going to radically upend how companies operate, but it will uh, probably produce a dual-tiered kind of system where uh, even small businesses may have a couple more paid employees where they used to have totally gig workers. And then a, a, another set of people, probably a smaller pool of people who will be gig, uh, gig workers but those people will have a little more control over their lives and their, particularly their work lives. And besides businesses, how do you see this working for gig workers? Um, well, for gig workers who have been pursuing this as the closest they can get to uh, employment, uh, that opportunity to become a real live employee may be very attractive. Uh, those will still be... Uh, relatively low paying jobs, but uh, the beauty of it will be that it's a steadier sort of pay. And that that's tremendously attractive for someone who uh, say has kids, has to have some kind of schedule that will, that could be a blessing uh, for them. But uh, for the people who are simply uh, just trying to work, uh, get a few bucks when they have uh, a couple of uh, few minutes, a few hours available, uh, the rules for the new gig economy will probably give them a little bit more flexibility, uh, uh, probably won't change their pay other than the difference in the hours uh, that they'll be available. Absolutely. And what about challenges uh, for businesses and workers under this new rule? Well, as I was saying before, for the businesses, they're going to have, uh, there are businesses right now that are uh, totally uh uh, have pretty much all of their employees or majority of their employees as gig workers. And they're going to have to figure out which of those people can be gig workers and which may have to become uh, full-time employees. And that's going to require some thinking. It's going to require some upfront money to get them into the system and uh, uh, back if they, if they have to backload anything like uh, in the insurance or anything like that. So that'll increase their, uh, some of their, prices and certainly will increase the complexity of their hiring situation, having uh, more of those two kind of people and having to go through and make sure everyone is classified the right way. So that's going to be more complex for them. For the workers, there really won't be any change. Uh, they may be told that they're going to become, they have the option to become an employee or that uh, here are the rules under which they will continue as a gig worker. And it's, uh, you know, it's always in that case, take it or leave it. But uh, given, you know, the the rules should give gig workers 
uh, a little more flexibility, a little more freedom in how they go about their daily gig work. It is now time for us to get into our words of the week. Ansley, what's your word this week? My word is prior authorization. Can you tell me a bit more about what that means? For sure. So basically, prior authorization is when health insurers have to review a medication before deciding whether or not to cover it. Insurance agencies say it helps protect patients from unnecessary medical treatment. Prior authorization is also sometimes called pre-certification, and both patients and doctors can't stand it. Interesting. So why is prior authorization in the news? The Biden administration recently put out regulations for prior authorization policies, but these rules are pretty limited. So some states have taken matters into their own hands. What are state governments doing? State lawmakers are trying to pass bills that would put stricter limits on prior authorization, and it's happening in Missouri. Republican State Representative Melanie Stinnett used to be a speech pathologist before joining the Missouri General Assembly last year. She said prior authorization was a source of frustration in her work. Now she's introducing legislation that could exempt some providers from having to request authorization. That's all I've got this week. What's your word, Siggy? My word is frosty. Are you talking about the weather on Wednesday? No, but it did randomly get so cold in the middle of the week, which was absolutely crazy. Um, But I'm talking about one of my favorite sweet treats, which is a Frosty from Wendy's. Frosty enjoyers might see some price changes at Wendy's starting next year. That would be such a big hit. I also love Frosties. Why? Why (laughs) could we see some price changes? Yeah, so news outlets recently reported that Wendy's will be implementing something called dynamic pricing in 2025. Dynamic pricing basically means items will fluctuate in price based on demand throughout the day. It's kind of like how after a concert, Uber prices are typically higher than usual. Got it. Tell me more about what Wendy's has in store for their prices. Well, it's kind of unclear. After news outlets reported the plans Wendy's leadership announced on a corporate conference call, Wendy's released a statement that said the chain does not plan on increasing prices. Wait, what? So what's their explanation? Okay, so Wendy's basically said their announcement during their conference call was quote-unquote misconstrued and that their only plans are to add new digital menu boards. According to Wendy's, these boards will give the fast food chain the opportunity to change menu offerings based on the time of day and to offer discounts at slower points of the day. Okay, so prices might change based on the time of day, but they won't increase? Sounds like it. That's all for me this week. For a closing thought, here's Sarah Pretorius of SIP Study again on the best business advice she's received. Eventually, when you launch anything, you just got to do it. You got to put it out there. And maybe a year from then, like you absolutely like want to do a rebrand or rethink your your business model, but just start, (laughs) just start it and put it out there into the world. Well, that is all for this week. The M33 Project provided the music for this episode. For my co-host Ansley Franco, editors Brianna Davis, Gabriella Lacey, Sharon Rick of Dar Xavier, Skylar Rossi, and Michael Stacey, I'm Siggy Reese, and this has been Business Brief. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.